Hello, I am Deb Cobiello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the podcast. I am your host, and I am sincerely grateful for the opportunity to be in service to the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. And if you are a C-suite leader with my over 30 years of operational excellence and quality, I can drop in as a fractional leader and help you navigate the business issue with confidence and potentially avert a crisis. That's the work I love to do. But also in my heart, the C-suite leader of tomorrow, I want to be there for you. I don't want to see you struggle as you navigate your career challenges, but just know I have the C-Suite Academy and my one-on-one coaching that is here to give you the tools you need to navigate your career with confidence. But now I am grateful to share a C-Suite moment with you. I am forever connecting with people in my network to learn about what were those opportunities that supported their career growth as well as their challenges. And this particular professional shared with me some amazing insight. They study people. They seek to deeply understand what makes that person tick, what makes them special, what are their gifts, what are their challenges. And through that process, they build trust. But what does he do with that? So by studying people, seeking to understand and building that trust, you never know when you encounter that person, whether it's now or in the future, but he always knows that when you're in the right place at the right time with the right people and asking the right questions, the right opportunities will come your way. So think about it. Do you study people? you build respect and trust, and then have deep conversations because you never know where the opportunities may come. So on that note, my conversation with Lynn Power, oh my, she talks about the deep importance for networking and mentoring because it is through that process we may lift one, but in the process, again, we lift many and we lift ourselves. This is an amazing conversation. I can't wait to share the entire interview with you. But here is just a little bit from the conversation. I often encourage female founders to take time to build their network because it comes very easily for men, I find. Men have no problem you know, networking and asking for help and asking for favors. And they don't think twice about it. But women have a harder time. What I found, though, is that it's really helpful. It helps on so many levels. It helps you feel less isolated. It helps you feel like you've got other people who understand what you're dealing with. You can share what works for you, what doesn't work for you. You can share resources. I mean, on just so many levels, it's been great. So even if you're not launched yet, but you're thinking about it and you have an idea, one of the first things that you could do is actually start building a network. Start finding people in that space, start finding peers, start finding mentors. And I found even people reach out to me on LinkedIn cold who just say, hey, you know, I'm launching a business. Can I get 10 minutes of your time to pick your brain? I always say yes. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, 
Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful that you've joined us again for another episode where week after week, I get to speak to amazing leaders and bring their insights and inspiration to you to help you on your career journey, whether you're a C-suite leader of today or even tomorrow. And if you like this episode, thank you so much if you've been with us for a while or if you're new to the show. We would sincerely appreciate you rating, reviewing, sharing with others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today, it is my honor to share the mic with an amazing person, Lynn Powell. She has spent much of her 30-year career running and transforming agency brands. Lynn has expertise in transforming organizations from top to bottom, including capabilities, organizational structure, talent, and culture. And she recently left the big agency world to launch two brands, Masami, a premium clean hair care brand, which launched in 2020, and Isle de Nature, B-Powered Home Fragrance, which launched in September 2020. And prior to her entrepreneurial move, Lynn was CEO of J. Walter Thompson, New York, responsible for the flagship office of WWP's 1.5 billion iconic agency. And throughout her career, she has the great fortune on working on so many, many well-known brands. And so it is my honor to welcome you onto the show. Lynn, thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. It's great to be here. So just for a little bit for my listeners, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to bring Lynn's story forward. I was in search of leaders that have made impact on industry, but also those that have been very entrepreneurial. That's a unique dynamic for which they have a tremendous leadership, but also aspiration and passion. And she's also from the fragrance industry, consumer goods industry, for which I have a lot of background and our conversation really resonated. So I'm grateful to have the conversation with you, Lynn. But for our listeners, just I would love for you to share with them a little bit about yourself personally, as well as the career journey you've had and the impact you're making now. Yeah, sure. And thank you so much for the intro. I did not set out to become a CEO. That was not in my career goals as a child. And in fact, I was sort of a liberal arts kid in the sense of not really knowing what I wanted to do for a career. In fact, I wanted to go into the FBI. And and I realize now it's not that different than advertising. I know it sounds weird, but it's problem solving. And that's what I enjoyed. And I think that translated nicely. Little did I know at the time, but in hindsight, it was a really good move. So yeah, I started my career in Chicago. I kind of fell into advertising because when I couldn't get a job in the FBI, because they had a hiring freeze, a recruiter recommended that I go interview at an ad agency. And I had never thought about that. It just wasn't something that I was even the least bit familiar with. I didn't know anyone in advertising. It just seemed like a bit of a foreign concept, but I thought it sounded interesting. I went, I interviewed, they hired me on the spot for a receptionist job. The qualifications were not very steep. So I could answer the phones, you know, I I showed up on time. And so they hired me. But then I found that I really liked the culture and I really liked using creativity as a business tool, which is really what advertising is all about. And I worked my way up at that little agency, a couple of jobs up their ladder and in the account management side. And I found I really enjoyed it. But I'm somebody I don't like to sit still. Uh, complacency doesn't do well with me. So I ended up leaving after a couple of years and went to a bigger agency, Ogilvy and Mather, which 
is one of the more well-known agencies. And if anyone watches Mad Men, many of the agencies I've worked with have been part of Mad Men, including McCann and BBDO and my last agency, J. Walter Thompson. I worked there for a few years. And then we, as in me and my then boyfriend, now husband, moved to New York. And I continued my career in advertising. And I had some lackluster experiences where I, you know, I went to an agency and it just wasn't a great fit and I left. But then I had some great experiences where I stayed for, you know, years, one agency for 10 years, another for eight. And I really enjoyed it. And then when I got to J. Walter Thompson and then I became the CEO, that was a really difficult experience for a lot of reasons, but it's really hard to change such a large company no matter how much you want to do it. And even the people around you want to do it, there's a lot of gravity that pulls you down. And in 2018, I just decided, you know what, I've been doing this so long and I've kind of reached the pinnacle of what I want to do. There's really nothing left for me to explore in advertising. I'd much rather spend my time building my own brands now and see if all the advice that I've been giving to clients all these years is actually any good, right? Because I'm going to be taking it on for myself. And so I left. I decided to launch two businesses. One is a clean premium hair care brand called Masami. And that launched at New York Fashion Week in February of 2020. And then Ilda Nature launched in September of 2020. And that's a bee-powered home fragrance company. And it's been a crazy ride on lots of levels, but it's been great. Really inspiring. And there are so many things there. I mean, one thing that I really like that you said early on in your story was the fact that you had certain interests and skills, but you were open to the possibility of, okay, sure, I'll go into an ad agency. And you talked about you are a problem solver. And I talked to some of the people through this podcast, don't worry about potentially taking a jump to another industry because you'll immediately have the mindset of, oh, I've never done that before. I can't do that. And what I ask people to do is talk about or think about what are their strengths, meaning technical talents, and what are they passionate about? Because somewhere in that intersection could be something of value to a completely different entity or industry. So don't sell yourself short. So I love how you were just completely open, problem solving. Everybody has problems. You could jump into any industry. And I love that you do coach people on that because I do find you're 100% right is that a lot of skill sets are really quite transferable and people don't think about it that way. And in fact, when I would hire people in my ad agency, A lot of times conventional wisdom was if you're hiring somebody, for example, take Johnson and Johnson was a big account of ours. You would want to hire somebody who knew the OTC space, the -the over-the-counter drug space. So you'd end up hiring somebody that had worked on a Advil or a competitive brand to come work on J&J. But really you're getting people that are a very small knowledge base. And I was always an advocate of hiring people that have nothing to do with the category that could come in and bring a really fresh perspective because their skills, to your point, are transferable, whether that's creative or strategy or project management or production or whatever. And I've always found that that most of the time led to better results, better thinking. And I so appreciate that. And while there are certain job descriptions, if you're interviewing for a company that may require a particular certification or a particular regulatory standard per se, yes, that depth of knowledge is important. But sometimes when they use it as a way to screen out candidates, the company itself could be missing out on some amazing talent. And maybe they have tremendous potential capability, a different way of seeing things to your point, and they could learn 
anything along the way that might be a shortfall gap. So very good. And I am very curious though about this transition. You talked about, let me start my own business and see if my own advice I can actually apply to myself. Very curious about that because I too was a subject matter expert, flavor, fragrance industry. I had achieved the dream job being a regional head of quality and food safety. And then I had to do it on my own. And it's scary, but over time I was starting to realize, yes, I can be of service on my own terms. So what was that like for you, that transition? And are you still on that journey? And have you figured it all out? Oh gosh, I don't think I'll ever figure it all out. But yeah, I think I was ready for it because I had spent so long in advertising that it wasn't scary. And I know to a lot of people it is, so I don't want to downplay that aspect of changing jobs or doing a such a major career pivot because it can be really scary. But for me, I felt really ready and it kind of felt validating to be able to take all my experience and apply it to my own businesses because I've been doing it so long and I know branding, I know marketing, I know positioning, I know how to do all this stuff, but it's really quite liberating when you can do it and make the decisions and not have somebody telling you to make the logo bigger or, you know, telling you to change the font or do, you know, some of those things that you would get from clients. So I definitely felt like it's a, been a really enjoyable process for me. Now, not all decisions I've made have been good, clearly, but I also am of the mindset that it's better to make a decision and live with it and move on than to be paralyzed and not make the decision. So one of the things we've done for both of my businesses is what we call planting seeds. I experiment a lot with different channels, different activities, I plant lots of seeds and then I see which ones start to grow and then I water them and then I let the other ones just wither away because you don't know. And the world is changing so fast that you have to try a lot of things and you have to see. So I don't pretend to be the expert in in all of this, but I am a practitioner who is learning along the way. And hopefully as you learn, you will get insight and you'll do more of that. You know what I mean? It'll just make your business better. Yeah. For anybody listening to this, this is a matter of just having the courage to trust yourself because you might actually be successful. So whether you have the opportunity to transition into being your own business owner or maybe within an organization, the courage to maybe try something new, maybe it's a lateral. In most cases, bad things are not going to happen. You are putting yourself out there. And if you never try, you will never know if you are or not making the right decisions. So congratulations on that. Now, let's just talk about some of your successes so far. So again, you're still on a journey figuring it out, but I think you have had a new launch that you're very proud about. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it's been an interesting couple of years. So I'll just give some context for why I think the opportunities are such great opportunities and the challenges, because in the light of the challenges, I think they shine even more. Yeah, the last two years has been interesting because we launched right before COVID really took New York City by storm in 2020. As a result, we had to really rethink our business model because my hair care brand um, is a salon quality product. And we were hoping to um, have salon partnerships that would be an important part of our business, right? Um, and in 2020, that just wasn't going to happen because salons were open, closed, open, closed. Even when they were open, that was challenging. So we really focused on our direct-to-consumer business. But one of the other things I did 
was created brand partnerships. So I found like-minded beauty brands, some outside of beauty too. Like there's a brand called Access 79 that's a sustainable jewelry brand, you know, things like that, that I felt were like-minded where we could help each other. And we started to do things like giveaways, live streams, blog posts, gift with purchase exchanges, things like that. And it really helped both of our businesses. So we were able to grow each other's emails and social following just by helping each other. And the beauty of this is it costs nothing, except maybe you're giving away a product or something. But from a marketing perspective, it's an incredibly efficient way to grow your audience. So going into this year, sorry, this is a little long-winded way to answer your question, but going into this year, one of the things we wanted to do was, um, and I talked about planting seeds, add more water and more nutrients to the seeds that were growing. And one of those seeds was the brand partnerships. And so what I was really looking at is like, how can we take those brand partnerships that have worked for us over the last couple of years and take it to the next level? How can we accelerate and double down on what's working on our business? And so the idea of creating a retail experience was born. We call it the Conscious Beauty Collective. And it's a collective of 32. Well, the number will change as we move to different locations, but the original pop-up had 32 indie beauty and wellness brands. And we launched in a store in the Stonestown Galleria in San Francisco, April 1st of 2022, this year, and we're closing June 30th. So that has been fantastic. So the idea is it's a pop-up. It's temporary. We're there for a couple months and then we move. And so our next location is actually the Natick Mall near Boston. And that's going to be from September 1st to the end of the year. But the great thing about doing this is it's really allowed all of these brands who on their own have a really hard time getting noticed, including us, because we don't have the marketing money. We don't have outside investment money. We are bootstrapped. But it allows all of us to kind of join forces and be stronger together. And that's been just a really, really fantastic experience. So good experience, but the impact, or is it that you qualified a good business model for which you're going to replicate, or is it created the impact, the outcome that you were seeking as a collective group? I'm curious. I think a little bit of both. I think we realized that this is an interesting, scalable model that we could just keep doing these traveling pop-ups all over the place, right? And bring clean beauty and conscious beauty to the masses because a lot of people still don't understand why they need it or what it is. So that part of it is exciting because I feel like we're creating a movement. But then in terms of the actual outcomes of what we were hoping, I think the brands definitely felt like they saw an uptick in their ability to acquire new customers, their followers, their email list, and things like that as well. Obviously, we all want sales, and that's a big part of the store too. And that's been good, but it's more than that. It's definitely about bringing the brands together to support each other on sort of that higher level. So congratulations on that. It's a very interesting model, and I do wish you continued success with it. When I think about what you shared with me as I translated a little bit to a business environment, sometimes when we're a subject matter expert, when maybe we're a leader within a business, it can be lonely. You know your job. You want to be able to influence more. And sometimes when you show up, you don't necessarily get the desired outcome that you're looking for. And that's where the art of networking happens a little bit, that within an 
an organization. Maybe you have a new idea, a new proposal, but shop it around to other people. And then people may say, hey, that's a great idea and enrich the concept. And by the time you know it, you have two, three, or four allies within the business for which you now have an even better idea and business model. So then when you get the opportunity to propose it, to show it to the world, already you have a few allies in the room and often you get a better result than having done it by yourself. So better to go in with friends. <laughs> oh, I completely support that. And I often encourage female founders to take time to build their network because it comes very easily for men, I find. Like men have no problem networking and asking for help and asking for favors and they don't think twice about it. But women have a harder time. What I found though is that it's really helpful. It helps on so many levels. It helps you feel less isolated. It helps you feel like you've got other people who understand what you're dealing with. You can share what works for you, what doesn't work for you. You can share resources. I mean, on just so many levels, it's been great. So even if you're not launched yet, but you're thinking about it and you have an idea, one of the first things that you could do is actually start building a network. Start finding people in that space, start finding peers, start finding mentors. And I found even, I know people don't like to do this, but like I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn cold who just say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm launching a business. Can I get 10 minutes of your time to pick your brain? I always say yes. You know what I mean? So it's really not that scary. If you reach out to a few people, you're going to get some that say yes. Yes, there will be some that ignore you. That's normal. But like, you're going to be surprised that there are quite a few who are open to it and are going to be willing to help you. So build the network. That's going to go a long way to helping your business because you can also use it to bounce off your proof of concept, your any customer research, you know, anything that you feel like you need to validate your business. It's so much easier when you've got people to do it with. So sound advice, because when I was in my corporate environment, while I networked well within, I did not have a strong network outside. And so it was very, very lonely. Obviously, you cultivate your first degree uh, associates, but then it takes a long time to create trusted partners, second, third, et cetera. But it does take a concerted effort to say, hey, I'm here. I'm either here to help or who can help me? I have a question. But you will get very deep relationships from those few that you resonate with. I could already see you. I have a network. Just a quick shout out. I'm part of the Women in Flavor and Fragrance Commerce. We have chapters in New Jersey, Cincinnati, and Chicago. I could definitely see you as potentially a speaker. So (laughs) another thing I find quite remarkable about your background, you have so much time invested in your own business, and I'm sure you have your personal life, but you also talk about mentoring startup companies. So I'm just curious about how you got into that and what has it done for you and how has it helped others? I mean, I guess I've always kind of done that in my career because I've been in the whatever way you want to look at it, glass half full, glass half empty, fortunate or unfortunate position of being one of the only women in my company or the most senior woman in my company often, which I never really understood because, you know, like really, but as a result, I've always tried to look out for other women who were more junior than I was or kind of coming up through the ranks. And so that's just something I do naturally. And so When I started my own companies and I started to meet other female founders, I found that there were a number of founders who just wanted advice. They just needed some help. And I think 
a lot of them don't come from a marketing background like I do, right? So if you're a founder who's an engineer, you might know your product inside out, right? But you might not have the first clue how to market it. And that's where I can go, okay, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So I have about, at any given time, four or five women. Now they're all female founders, but they used to be advertising people. But I have four or five women that I tend to mentor. And usually that looks like I'll do a call every month and it's just an hour and we'll just talk about their business, their successes, their failures, what's stressing them out, where they might need a little help, that kind of thing. I enjoy doing that. And like I said, you'd be surprised how many people are open and willing. You don't need to go at this alone. There's really, even though you may feel like it sometimes, it's not true. And I can say also, I've benefited from that. While I have paid for coaches along the way, I also have this vast group of people to say, can I just bounce an idea off of you? Am I setting my pricing right? Does this resonate? How did I show up? What did you see? And looking for that, my presence or how did I speak? What can I do to improve? Or gosh darn it, what can I do better for business development? I know I value people like that. So the future, you are a successful person. You're the founder of two brands. If I were to talk to you in a year from now, where do you hope to be? Oh, gosh. Well, I've been dealing with my breast cancer, which I was diagnosed in July of 2021. So, you know, here I am. My businesses are about a year old and I found out I have breast cancer. And by the way, this is my plug for any women listening. I had a clean mammogram and ultrasound in March and it was totally clear between March and July, I had an eight centimeter tumor, which is about the size of a baseball. And it was stage three. It was in my lymph nodes, the whole nine yards. And it was a very rare kind of cancer that's incredibly aggressive and doesn't have good outcomes typically. So faced with that, I had to have a very aggressive treatment and deal with all that. But it was good in the sense of it caused me to really reevaluate my business, focus on the things that really mattered. I'm lucky that I have people around me who I trust, who I work with. And that's the beauty of being in your own business is you can work with who you want. You don't have to deal with toxic people that might be in your corporate world. So looking forward, obviously for me, being cancer-free is number one priority because I have to get my health back and I'm almost there. I've got a couple months left of treatment, but I'm almost there. And then we're going to really accelerate the Conscious Beauty Collective because that has been just such a great experience, great for our brand, great for our mission. So I'm going to really focus on that. And then we're also going to be launching a new product for Masami, a hair mask. So that's in in development now. So there's a lot going on, but it's exciting. I truly love your work. You know, that's one of the things I've enjoyed being either in a company that really values what you do. And you have that entrepreneurial ability to make ideas, maybe make mistakes along the way, but also be able to realize your greatest potential or just being a business owner. There's a lot of ups and downs. I've had a few downs, but just having the opportunity to bring like your insights to others, that's the passion work that I love. So we can elevate somebody else. So they don't have to struggle as much. They will struggle, perhaps struggle a little bit less. Yes, exactly. So I want to just kind of bring this in a little bit because I really love your journey. I love your spark. 
after we're done, I'm going to be asking you questions about who to connect you with. Who do you want to know? Because I really care about, again, you said the beauty of the network. Maybe there are some people that would be interested in getting to know you and how they might be able to collaborate. And I certainly ask anybody that has enjoyed this interview to certainly check out Lynn's work, products that she's doing, let her know how you found this interview, maybe even connect and have a conversation. So I certainly encourage that. But if there's any last words you wanted to share with anybody about your journey or things that they can take away from this conversation, what would that be? I mean, I guess I would always say it's never too late because I was 51 when I left my advertising career. And people thought I was a little nuts because here I am as a CEO. Obviously, I was getting well paid. It's like, why do you want to walk away from that? But I'm so much happier now living life on my own terms. And my words of wisdom is it's never too late. You don't have to feel like, oh, I can't do it now. That's ridiculous. In fact, because I am older and an older founder and I have all this experience, I can do things really fast. I make very fast decisions. I don't second guess things. I'm incredibly efficient. And so your experience can really be a superpower, not a hindrance. Absolutely. And so often society says that we're let go for a reason that maybe we no longer have any value, but it could be just the beginning of something beautiful. Lynn, I am so grateful to have the opportunity to have found you, to learn more about you, bring your story, and hopefully some of the things that you've shared with others may inspire them also to either pursue their career goals or maybe even step into their own business. So Lynn, I wish you amazing success and good health. You've been an amazing guest and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.